Welcome to AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. Back in early March, if you can remember that long ago, I sat down for an interview with my boss, Father Tim Kosicki, who's the president of the Jesuit Conference. We met in person at our little recording studio in Washington. We talked about how much Father Tim is on the road, flying all over the world to represent the Jesuits of Canada and the United States at all sorts of meetings. How much has changed since that conversation? Despite aging weirdly in a few ways, our chat that day was one of the most fun times I've had making this podcast. So we'll bring it to you for this joyful Easter week as a bit of counter-programming. No coronavirus content, just 20 questions for Father Tim about things like a dumb accomplishment he's proud of and what law he'd introduce if he were the king of his own make-believe country. Thanks for joining us. Well, Father Tim, thanks so much for hopping on AMDG. You were one of our first ever guests back before we had a name and a logo when we were just starting out and very generous with your time and helping us get off the ground. So we're excited to bring you back on now to learn a little bit more about you, to pull that curtain back. What is the life of a president of a Jesuit conference like? I'm sure it's very exciting. Yes, it is. Uh, it's a lot of time on the road. So I'm here in D.C. We're in the studio together. So let's dive in. I know. That's the thing with Father Timmy is that you're, you're traveling so much that when we get to see you, it's like, oh, let's, let's just do, let's do something. Let's get you on tape talking about something. So we're excited for that. You're just back now when, when, we're, when we're chatting. You're back from a trip to, to Rome for a meeting. And, right? Is that, that's, that's right? Correct, and, then, yeah. and then where are you that's going right. next? Uh, Berkeley, California to visit the Jesuit School of Theology for a week. Wow. Okay, great. So right in between uh, those places. So we, we're going to do this 20 questions thing. So if you listened to the show before, people might have heard this 20 questions feature at the end of some of our episodes to help us get to know our guests a little bit. Usually they're rapid fire and I don't ask any follow up questions. But today we're, we're going to stop. I'll ask some follow ups, whatever is interesting and we, we can talk about. But this again, a way to, to get to know Father Tim a little bit more. So 20 questions. You're on the clock. Here we go. Number one, Father Tim, what are you reading? Well, I always like to divide my books into two, those that are more literary and those which are more academic. So on the literary end, I'm reading something called On Grand Strategy. Uh, it's, a, it's a New York Times bestseller. It tries to, it takes a lot of philosophy, political theory, and applies it to structural change. So uh, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that very much. Uh, on the academic, actually, I'm reading an historical piece called The Visitor. It's out of Harvard University Press uh, by a professor at Michigan State University. And it's about a Portuguese Jesuit who went and visited the Jesuit missions, the early Jesuit missions in Asia. And it's this whole difference between Eastern culture meeting Western culture. So when you are reading multiple books at once, do you find that they like talk to each other in your head? I, I like that sometimes when you're pulling a whole bunch of different references that help you like make connections or see things differently. Do you, do you find you know, that? Absolutely. So I, I have a certain love for political theory. And so so one is, uh, you know, the, these... Uh, these missions uh, and kind of bringing cultures to another part of the world uh, with the gospel, but there's always a little political theory that blends into both. So yeah, the books do often talk to each other. Number two, what is the best gift you have ever received? That's a tough uh, uh, question to ask, but I, I think um, the first airline flight I ever had was actually from Erie, Pennsylvania to Toronto, and someone gave it to me as a gift. And see, as a kid, my dad did business travel, and this was back in the days when you could actually walk out on the tarmac and see the plane take off, and all I ever wanted to do 
was fly in one of those planes. So I was 17 years old when someone gave me my first trip. And one could say I've never stopped. I was going to say now that so much of your time is that you kind of uh, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy or something. Um, you do spend a lot of time in airplanes. Like, how do you ap- approach that time? Because it's a time that you're kind of disconnected from everything. Is it like prayer time for you? Is it just relaxation time? Is it frustrating time? Like, what what is your air travel like? You do a lot of miles. Best thing about it is I'm not in control, and so often, in, especially when you're in charge of something or you're leading something, you're you're always thinking about the strategic decisions you have to make, and all I have to do is get on that plane, and other people are in charge. Now I know enough about airplane dynamics to know when something's awry, but so that's the nice piece of it is that I'm in somebody else's hands. Um, and when, when you cross over 10,000 feet, none of my technology works. I don't pay for the onboard Wi-Fi. I just enjoy being 30,000 feet up there, disconnected from the world, able to read, able to pray, able to sleep, uh, catch up on my movies, what have you. Okay, great. Number three, who's your favorite saint? My favorite saint's not a Jesuit, actually, St. Therese of Lisieux. Um, I, uh, I just... I love her idea of the the little way. Um, I, I once met uh, someone who was very active, Bishop Ahern out of New York, and her becoming a doctor of the church. And he always said, if you took Ignatius and Therese, he said, Ignatius with his, if you liken the spiritual journey to climbing the Empire State Building, he says, with, with Ignatius, you just go up with the air every annotation of the exercises go step by step by step by step. Therese would bring everyone and say, come on, we're taking the elevator to the top floor. So I just love the way she makes faith so accessible. Number four, your first job. My first job was I was a newspaper delivery boy for the Erie Times News. Uh, And, you know, they don't have those anymore. I think uh, child labor laws, what have you. But, you know, um, I had my own customers. I used to collect from them. I would get rewarded if I'd bring in new customers, et cetera. So you're kind of running a very small business, which requires daily work. So I'm proud of that. Would you like ride a bike or walk or how did you get around? I walked my route. Yeah. It was uh, urban. Uh, the, it was urban density enough that I could walk my route. Does that paper still exist? Yes, it does. Um, it used to be uh, one newspaper company did a morning and an afternoon. I delivered the afternoon, which was a morning on Saturdays and Sundays. So I don't know if they have as many editions anymore. Uh, I, I must confess, I do not own it online. <laughs> Number five, um, two weeks in Paris or. 10 minutes on the moon. Great question. I'm going to go with the two weeks in Paris because there's people there, there's culture and history. The only history I know of on the moon is the moon landing. And I don't think I'm going to learn much more about that on the moon. So uh, I, I'm probably going to go with where there's people and where there's history. Yeah, see, I think like if you could get to the moon and travel wouldn't be stressful. I don't really like flying at all. And so if you had to get in a spaceship, I'm not going to the moon, right? But if you could just appear on the moon... People who have done that, they've handful. Just say, like, you get the view of the Earth, and it's just as like, it's unlike anything else. Uh, but all the same, if, if, it, if I have to get in the space shuttle, then. 50 years after the Apollo landing, I did love hearing Neil Armstrong. I think it was read from Genesis. I think it was very moving. But hmm. I think I've lived that vicariously through him. Okay, good enough. Number six, your least favorite chore. Packing. I absolutely hate it. Now, if I'm leaving a place, going back home, it's easy because you clean out the room. Right. But when I have to go somewhere, I just hate packing. I get it done. I'm embarrassed the number of times I have to buy something on the other end. So even though you like, 
you do this a lot. You have to pack a lot. You don't have like a system down. It's it still causes you like anxiety. Yeah, when you're I, I have a system, but uh, thank God I wear a lot of black. I was gonna say, yeah, it makes for it's so much easier. Yeah, that, but I true. just know it's it's I so dislike it that I put it off as long as I can. Okay, number seven. If you could uninvent one thing, what would it be? Instant anything. Instant coffee, <laughs> instant oats, instant anything. I, I, I think I, li- I like cooking. I, I like that some things take time. And I think the instant culture, um, I, I take advantage of it, but I don't think it enhances life. Number eight, your favorite sound. I love the sound of the ocean. I, I must say, I love it. Do you have like a beach place you like to go? Um, well, you know, I'm a Great Lakes person, so, oh. so you don't get as much, uh, uh, you don't get as much sound of waves. I love the Great Lakes, but the, that, that sound of the ocean that is constant and, um, whether it's the Atlantic or the Pacific, whoever hosts me, I'll go. Right. Now, let's just talk about this for a second, because I am from the East Coast, so the ocean to me is the ideal of like where you go when you want a big amount of water, but people from the Great Lakes region, they love the lakes, as you've just said, and like they really love that they're not salted, which to me, I like the salt at like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why, but like I find myself oddly defensive of salt water. Do you come down like anywhere on the salt versus not salt debate? I, I, I go both ways. I love the Great Lakes. I love just the feel of the, of the lakes. Um, there's a, there's an intimacy to them and a grandeur. I mean, so so one day they're as still as a mill pond, and the other day they're as rapid as a, as an ocean. So um, uh, I like both salt and fresh water for different reasons. That's a very that's a very good thing for a, a president of a Jesuit conference to say, making sure everyone feels welcome and accommodated, all forms of water, welcome and have something to offer. Okay, number uh, number nine, your favorite hymn, like church hymn. Oh, hard one, but I I, I think God's blessing sends us forth. Uh, I think maybe it's just because that's how we ended the school year when I was a kid. God's bless. I, I don't know if I know that God's song. God's blessing sends us forth, strengthened for our task on earth. Um, I, maybe it's because we ended the school year. That was always a sign of freedom. Hmm. Number 10, your favorite zoo animal? No question, the elephant. Why? Uh, oh, I love the, it, it's almost prehistoric to me. It just, uh, it does not look like any other animal. And I've actually, uh, fortunately, when I was uh, working in Africa, I was able to go on safari and see live elephants and um, shouldn't be a zoo animal. It's, to me, the most fascinating animal on the planet. Sure. Now, I don't love zoos, but our... Um we have like little kids, right? I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old who are obsessed with zoos. So I'm at zoos all the time now, which is a nice thing about living in Washington. The zoo is free. But I think when you have to like look at animals like that through the lens of like a four-year-old or a two-year-old who are seeing these things for the first time and just blown away, you do realize like how, like how incredible for me as a giraffe, but how these animals are, uh, the beauty of God's creation, which again, I wouldn't have stopped to think about without, uh, without having the little ones. So. I agree. I completely agree with you. Number 11. What superpower would you most want to have? This shouldn't come to you as a surprise. Flying. I would love to be able to fly. Then you could get just, would that be like for your work so you could get to places faster or just for fun? I I think I love seeing, you know, so I I would hang glide or anything like that. Uh, And um, sure, if I could get across town. Using my own powers, why not? There is, the traffic in Washington is so bad and I I take public transportation, but still I'm going like five miles from my house to the office and it's taking me an hour, 10 minutes, which again, I shouldn't complain. It's a great blessing. I have time to listen to to podcasts and stuff. but I do sometimes think if I just had like a helicopter, the guy down the street from here, the president has a helicopter, gets to fly around, you know, that would cut, that would cut down the time, but it's not in the budget here yet. Um, okay. Next thing is number 12. What's the best thing you cook? 
Well, my mom's from Italy. She taught me how to cook, so pasta, and I would say um, spaghetti with a, a simple pomodoro sauce, which is tomato. And and for me, the key to cooking is buying the right ingredients. Okay. To buy the right food, uh, and like a tomato. <laughs> You can buy a tomato in a store that looks like a tomato and tastes like nothing. I know. It's it's finding that tomato that's off a vine in August, sun ripened, has an incredible flavor. If you if you can take something as simple as that and make it pop in your mouth, that's cooking. And you do so and you do that. You will you will get tomatoes and make Pomodoro sauce from scratch. Absolutely, absolutely. As a matter of fact, as children, we used to have to go and we'd go to a farm and get tomatoes and we'd can it and we'd throw a few at each other too. But, sure. but it was that, that was a whole part. And to this day, my mother will still do some. And, you know, at Christmas time, she'll open the jar and have me smell that fresh <laughs> vine feeling, which is, I think, what makes food. Hmm. Number 13. If you were ruler of your own country, what would be the first law you would introduce? That's probably a reaction to the times, but everybody must vote. Everybody must vote. <laughs> yes. I suppose I, I live in reaction to a place where, uh, I don't know, what, a third of our people vote in federal elections, 20% vote in local elections. Uh, well, big fan of democracy. I started by saying I love political theory, and democracy only works when people participate. All right. So let me give you, like, there's, a, there's been this move to make voting easier, you know. like So say, like, they had figured out a way to make voting on your phone um, doable without any security problems, like it would work. Would you be in favor of that, or do you think it's good that people expend at least a little bit of effort to make it to make it happen? Well, I, I would I would be in favor of that. I kind of find it funny that more people vote for American Idol than vote for the President of the United States. I, I think the the concern is you want people to trust their ballot, so I, that's a, that's a pervasive concern. But uh, I'm in favor of anything that makes it easy. But I'm strong advocate of participation. Okay, number fourteen. What current or past music group would you most want to join? Well, I'd have to go past, and um, my favorite group as a boy was Earth, Wind, and Fire. I don't know how well you know them. I'm a child of the, I was born in the 60s, but a child of the 70s, and I still find myself listening to their music, singing along to it. So um, I don't know that I'd be welcome in the group. I was going to say. What the hell? <laughs> what, so, yeah, like, do, would you would you want to play an instrument or just like a hand, like a tambourine or sing or what? Oh, I'd love to sing. To no, sing? I'd love to sing, yeah, because... Would sing along, sing along. Oh sure, so. yeah. My I was in marching band in college, and our, our first show since football season starts in September. You can guess what the song was. We did September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, yeah. which is still, which is still very good. Um, uh, a lot of fun. Earth, Wind, and Fire. All right, good choice. Number fifteen. What is one thing you will never do again? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I'll probably never go to to middle school again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, sure. That would be hard. I mean, so, but like as a teacher or as just in any form, you're not going. You to know, I would say in any form, um, or, or uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I really love teaching secondary education. I don't think my greatest gift was middle school, although it was my first time teaching. Uh, certainly, lower primary. No, um, I admire it, but I don't think I have that skill. Middle middle school is a tough age. I think a tough age to be. I remember in middle school thinking, having enough self-awareness to know that like, this is bad and will, will eventually end. Uh, and then working, I've worked some with middle school kids. I, you don't get like the, you know, the feedback, the positive feedback you might get from high school or, or older. They, they said they don't really like anything, but you know sometimes you can figure out what they actually do like something. But it's a tough age. My sister teaches middle school and really likes those kids. It is, I think, a special gift, you know. Some people well, you know I think it's a different type of humor. So I, I probably uh, haven't fully evolved from sophomore kids humor mm. and um, I just probably don't have the gift of middle school humor okay number 16 
So this is a hypothetical we give to people, but you've actually had this chance of meeting Pope Francis, but um, you have the chance to meet Pope Francis one-on-one, but you only get one sentence. What do you say? Oh, boy. Um, Chris, you know, I think of a, of a beautiful thing, like what's your greatest hope for the world um, or what keeps you up at night? But I'm sure he's been asked that so many times, and I think he has so many cliche answers to that. Um, I would say <laughs> one time... One sentence, uh, I'd probably ask him why he became a Jesuit. Now, I, that is interesting to me because most people, when I ask them this question, they come up with like a statement. Yeah. And often it's thank you, it's a nice statement, but you went to questions that you would want to ask a question if you only got one shot, which just presumes that he would then give you give you an answer. Um, do you want to share? Why don't you share if you're comfortable? You have a pretty funny Pope Francis story from one of the times you met him that we, we did, I think, include a long time ago, but we have more listeners now. So, Well, yeah. Uh, the la- I, I'm thinking of the last time I saw him. I can tell you, too. The last time I saw him, and this was at an audience, so it wasn't a big deal, but uh, and it's in Italian because that's, you know, Italian and Spanish is always languages. And I just said, you know, Santo Padre, sono Jesuita, Holy Father, I'm a Jesuit. And he immediately said, e la tua colpa, that's your fault. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's very playful that way. And I think that presumes, uh, you know, that that was not intended to be an insult. First time I met him was in 2014. I was in Rome for a time. I had just asked if I could go to one of those morning masses and I, I got in and I had like this whole speech prepared, you know, who I was and what I did. And, you know, he's kind of listening and he kind of looks at me as if to say, well, you know, flip you a fish. You know, I mean, it was just, I couldn't have been more boring. And my dad was going into surgery. I was, I was I, he had a kidney removed cancer. He's doing fine now, but I pivoted and I said, you know, Santo Padre, Mio Padre, Vevi il Cancro. My, my dad has cancer. He's going to have a surgery. And that's when he kind of pulls me in and goes, what's his name? I'll pray for him. And, and that's when I said, this guy is a pastor. You know, he's, he's not into position or title. Okay, number 17. What could you give a 45-minute presentation on with no preparation? I guess the first thing that comes to mind is probably Jesuit education, uh, whether it's a history of Catholic education in the United States or sort of uh, the evolution of Jesuit pedagogy, particularly the fact that Ignatius didn't found us to form schools, they came later. So I, I think I could probably do that with, with even a little scholarly umph that could hold people's attention. All right. Well, let me ask you a follow-up then. Uh, you worked in secondary ed. You uh, have been president of St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland. That's right. That's correct. I got all those things right, titles right. Um, go Wildcats. Go wi- Wildcats. That's an interesting mascot. Um, what is like? What is like one important question you think leaders of Jesuit education should be or are like, grappling with today? Like what, what's a big important question like for the future of Jesuit education. I think the 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 intersection of faith and learning and how belief is passed on from generation to generation in a way that that grows, that thrives. Uh, so I mean, Jesuits are never about preserving faith. We're about growing faith, and um, there, there are different approaches to that question. But but how does education put me in touch with the reality? that's greater than myself, that's greater than my own future, that's greater than my own dreams, or how do I see God in myself, in my future, in my dreams? And I think that that's a, that's a perennial question. I think it's particularly more acute now as we look at a kind of an ongoing disaffiliation of young people with organized religion, and sometimes not just with organized religion, but with God. 
Yeah, there, there, there are so many big questions about how we do that in general. You know, that's what my background was in was like passing on faith and using often Catholic social teaching or social justice teaching to to help introduce faith because it's very hands on and and connects with the world and, and engaging the world. And that is, I think, one thing I, I see the Jesuits like really like striving to do is to again to like not necessarily to say like oh where where is God like outside of my own experience now, but like where where can I find evidence of God at work, the spirit at work in my life right here, right now where I am, and then how do I respond to that? But I think that's a big part of like the Ignatian kind of spirituality emphasis on like kind of finding God in our experience and in all things and letting God come to us that way. You know, I was in Rome, I was talking to some German Jesuits actually and their their experience of secondary ed. And it was interesting some of them said that in conversations with some of their secondary school students, the students say, hey, we love that we're part of a Jesuit school. We love that we're part of a Catholic school because the Catholic Church does a lot of good. But we don't have really much use for this talk about God. So so, so in a sense, the divine, uh, push that off to the side. But we really do like the kind of the core human things that the Catholic Church and the Jesuits do in, in this context, which is which was a bit of a wake-up call for me because so often I hear the opposite here. You know, well, people are very spiritual, but they're not connected to organized religion. So it just tells me not to reduce or simplify a new generation, really get to know it. Maybe the kids coming up now are the religious but not spiritual type. That would be interesting and a big change. Um, number 18, let's move along here. What's one thing you want to try you haven't gotten around to yet? Well, um, I think I'm following the 41st president of the United States, skydiving. I, uh, I, I once actually, when I was an undergrad, uh, Went to a program where you could jump out of a plane, but it was like eight hours of training for a two and a half minute dive. And I said, oh, I, I, I think I'll, I'll do it when I can give it a little more time and go a little further. But I've always wanted that experience. Talk about flying. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, right? We'll send some cameras along if that ever <laughs> happens. Um, are you like a thrill seeker type then? Is that like yeah, something you're I'm, after? I'm pretty much a rugged individualist. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was uh, actually on my way to Italy. I did a little down... Uh, Alpine downhill skiing. Oh, really? Yeah, I, uh, I love, uh, I love, uh, I love the thrill of, of going down. I'm very safe, wear a helmet, everything, but sure. I, I love the thrill. Of that. As a matter of fact, I had my helmet attached to my backpack on the plane, and the flight attendant asked if it was a skydiving helmet. I said, no, it's a skiing helmet, but someday. So, someday, <laughs> that's right. We'll use it for that purpose. Okay, um, number 19. What dumb accomplishment are you most proud of? <laughs> Well, says a little bit about where I'm from. In the 1970s, I was an extra in a film called The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. It's the a Fish really That Saved Pittsburgh. bad basketball movie. Uh, Stockard Channing was in it. It's sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they basically, you know, they had to fill the arena to do the filming, and a few of us went in. I know where I was seated. You can't see me. Can't but, see your face. You know, everybody's probably been an extra in a stupid movie once. Well, I haven't. So wait, what's the what's the who's the fish who saved Pittsburgh? <laughs> yeah, you almost I, I'm, I'm almost forgetting the movie. You know, um, they, they're trying to save a. Uh, it's almost Harlem Globetrotters like, but they're they're trying to save a basketball team, and they decide to bring in kind of. Uh, uh, like a spiritual medium, a soothsayer, yeah. because that's 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 how it's all going to be turned around. So it's it's kind of it sounds great. <laughs> it's not it's not exactly uh, uh, dark comedy, but it's uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's an acquired taste. Yeah, well, I'm putting it on my list. Uh, okay, number twenty. Uh, this is the last one. What makes you feel alive? I think what makes me feel alive is whenever I have the opportunity to meet new people. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm amazed at how interconnected people are. So I can, I've, I've been able to meet anyone anywhere in the world and make a connection. 
And whether it's we have a place in common, whether we have people in common, something we've read in common, and I love meeting new people and that level of interconnectivity. That, that's good because that is a big part of your job, right? Is meeting a lot of people all over the world all the time. Yeah, if I were a raging introvert, I would be a colossal failure at this job. Yeah. All right, well, Father Tim, you have made it through the 20 questions. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service as president of the Jesuit Conference. And wherever plane you're on next, I hope your, your travels are smooth. Thanks for having me on, Mike. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Dara Sump, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, and me, Mike Jordan Lasky. Connect with the Jesuits online at Jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. 